Rahal had every right to be proud of son of the people, and he favored him over all the others. For he, like Rahal, was a master of the knockout punch. He had the same lightning-quick knee that the squirrel often used to smash his adversaries' faces in his dreams. Son of the people, quite simply, cuts to the chase. He hates trickery and beating around the bush. His material is always at the ready. Charges of treason, accusations of conspiring with Muhammad's agents, going after his adversary's honor as well as that of his mother, his wife, his daughters, and his aunts, and presenting embarrassing facts about him. Son of the people always made sure that a bit of the information he presented was true in order to guarantee the trust of the readers, especially those who intimately knew the targeted person. After that, level as many false charges as you can. Son of the people is particularly keen on preserving the reader's trust, even though they don't really read. Most of them just peer down from the balcony of the title at the picture, accompanying the subject, and then begin to look for Son of the People's response. After, say, 20 comments in which they discuss the article's subject, they agree or disagree with the author. They attack or defend the person who produced the article. Then Son of the People fires off a shot, and the comments follow one after the other. 40, 50, 100, 200. Most of them don't return to the original article to discuss it. Rather, they move around in Son of the People's universe. They recall his words. They interact with him. Sometimes they might disagree with him, but with him and his comment, not with the article and its subject. Welcome to episode 86 of the Bulak Podcast. I'm Ursula Lindsay, and reading to you just now was our guest for today, Professor and translator Alex Ellenson, reading from Yassine Adnan's Hot Marhok, um, a novel that features um, a novel that I suppose could be described as an internet novel, as as many uh, Anglophone novels are being described these days, that, that deals with online life that's set to a large extent in a cyber cafe. Um, and uh, we were just hearing a description of the of the online persona that is taken up by uh, its main character. Um, so we're we're very pleased uh, to have you with us today, Alex. And of course, also as always, uh, Marsha Links Quayley, my co-host, is with us as well in Rabat. Hi, Ursula. Hi. Hi. Thank you. So Alexander Ellenson is Associate Professor of Arabic Language and Literature and Head of the Arabic Program at Hunter College, City University of New York. He's author of Looking Back at Al-Andalus, The Poetics of Loss and Nostalgia in Medieval Arabic and Hebrew Literature. His translations include two novels by Yusuf Adel, A Beautiful cat, White Cat Walks With Me and A Shimmering Red Fish Swims With Me, which are part of a trilogy. And... He also is the translator, of course, of Yassine Adnan's Hat Morok, uh, as well as many other short works, um, many of them by Moroccan authors. So thank you so much, uh, Alex, for coming today to talk with us about this very fun, uh, sprawling, critical novel. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, so perhaps we should start just by giving people an introduction to the the basic 
the main characters, the basic story of this book, although that that is challenging because that story sort of unspools in in a number of directions. Um, but uh, if you don't mind uh, giving a, a, a summary as as best one can. Um, sure. I mean, I'll give a very brief summary because, as you said, um, to go into any details might uh, might uh, might um, you know take us take us in, in in many different directions. But basically, um, this is the story. It's a story or that um, you know that revolves around a single character, and I'm not I, I'm not going to call him a hero. Or, or, or even an anti-hero, but our protagonist, uh, Rahal Rina, um, he is a young man who uh, grew up in Marrakesh, um, the only child of, uh, you know, parents' very modest means, um, and, you know, spent much of his childhood and young adulthood, um, uh, you know, being bullied, feeling ashamed of where he comes from, feeling bad about who he is, and you know, trying to find his voice um, after, you know, many um, sort of attempts uh, at doing so. He has a very uh, vivid imagination. Um, and this is what sort of guide takes him through his early years. He really, he finds his voice um, in, in um, you know, I guess it's in the... Uh, the early '90s, um, when something called the internet appears in um, in Morocco and and around the world, and it's in the it's through the internet, it's in the internet, and um, that he really comes into himself. And of course, it's ironic because the self that he comes into is a, a, a series of characters that he that he. Um, uh, that he creates or personas or avatars that he creates. And he quickly figures out how to be, how to become liked, how to become popular, um, and, you know, how to, you know, gather as many friends as possible as he can around him in the online world. And I mean, so this is the basic the framework of the story. And he, he ends up, uh, opening a, an internet cafe or, or becoming manager of an internet cafe in Marrakesh. And, you know, generally the, the novel follows him both in real life and online, as well as a large cast of characters that he comes into contact with, um, in, in middle school, high school, university, um, and afterwards in his his career as and uh, as a as a cyber cafe manager and online troll um and the book touches upon all sort on you know arabic culture and popular culture and marrakesh history moroccan history arab history um uh it deals with issues of social and economic change uh political uh the, the political discourse and scene in, um, you know, in contemporary Morocco as well. And so it's, it's really, it, it touches upon a lot of themes. Um, I'm very happy to, to talk today more about it with you all. Mm, great. And I would say that this moment that you read from at the beginning is sort of the high point of his, of his writing career in that 
it's you know it's the, it's his full freedom of expression he's he's creating these characters that exist in the comments and he's getting so much positive you know feedback for it but it's before he's come under the thumb of of the mukhabarat of of the um of the government before he's sort of writing to order, writing to government directives. There's all sorts of these wonderful reversals and flips back and forth in, in uh, you know, he is at the top of the world, you know, of course, hidden. Nobody knows that this is really him, but, um, and then before he, the, this becomes, you know, a job writing. Right. Because I think it is important to mention that he becomes, he's not just an internet troll, he's a paid internet troll who's working as part of a highly manipulated online media and social media environment in which the state and the intelligence services are actually directing you know, the public discourse through various means of control, either by, you know, controlling outlets or controlling columnists or controlling people like him. Um, So there's a, there's a real heavy focus actually on the behind the scenes state manipulation of, of these spaces for, for public expression, which is somebody who is a journalist and lived in Morocco, I found very interesting. Yeah. And I think I just, I do, I mean, just to, to maybe say it in different words or or to um, add a little bit, I mean, it really is so, um, it's so, you know, disappointing and sad, you know, when we, you know, we, in, in a, in a sort of ironic way, because we do see that, that Rahal, this protagonist does come he finally finds his voice in the internet. He finally is able to express himself and to be anyone he wants to be. And in fact, he can, he is multiple people um, at the same time online. And our first sense is this freedom that, uh, that the internet provides him and this voice and this platform for free expression which, you know, I mean, there no free platform uh, goes un, uh, you know, unexamined in, in a place like Morocco. And it, it's true that the Mohabarat and the security service, the intelligence uh, agencies um, figure out very quickly the power of this platform and very quickly um, find him and co-opt him and I mean, he is, he's not a uh, an employee of the state at the beginning of his career he's just he's just a guy having a blast on this new internet um but but very quickly becomes a uh, a tool of the state um to to spy um just to spy on people to manipulate uh messaging um and to control um uh, what is said and what's not said on the internet. Although even when he's, when he's, he is free and he is enjoying himself, but what he's actually doing from the beginning is like pretty awful. Like he, he, the way he enjoys the internet <laughs> is to spread, he on his own before he's even paid to do it is making false accusations and spreading rumors and smearing people he's jealous of and engaging in the same behavior he engaged in, in high school where he wrote rumors about, other kids on the walls of the bathroom. So, I mean, in a, but this is part of the novel. Like he's a, he's a not, he's an unsympathetic character as is pretty much everybody else in the book. I mean, he's certainly not a heroic character. Um, 
and uh, and and so his behavior, even before it's co-opted from the state, is 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 not particularly admirable. Um, and and so, in, in fact, it's a sort of this intimation that you know the way society uses the internet before the state even intervenes is not particularly uh, positive. And then there's this level of of co-optation that, that comes on top of it. But again and again in the book, the way people use um, their platforms is like very self-interested and very irresponsible, and they and they and they lie all the time, and they use and they harm each other. So it's a it's a it's a pretty dark view also of like how society engages in with with language, going all the way back to how the kids are in high school, how the you know politicized university students are at university. He kind of you know right. He goes through just endless different forms of language and discussion and expression and discourse and like kind of demolishes them one after the other. Yeah, I guess yeah. I'm I'm more sympathetic to him than that. I thought at least he was enjoying himself when there he was undermining the work of Wafi, you know this <laughs> this poet. By, he's uh, motivated entirely by spite. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was no, having I mean, fun a, doing it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not at all implying that he's someone I would like, or you would like, or anyone would like, um, or, or even, you know, condoning anything that he's doing online. But he has, but, but regardless, and he's, yes, he is doing everything out of spite. But he is doing, he is doing what he never felt he could do before. And I think, yeah, we don't have to like him. And I don't think we, I, I wonder who does like him. But he, but I definitely, when I saw him, that first graffiti that he scratched, that that very awful mm. graffiti that he scratched on the door of the of the toilet stall, um, and the relief, the literal relief that he felt went upon doing it, I I felt I felt good for him. I was happy for him that he was finally. Able, I I was not happy for the for the. Um, you know, the targets of his barbs, but, um, but, you know, happy that he, he had found a voice. And what I think is also is so interesting. And I, I really, um, uh, you know, we, I mean, you mentioned that this, this, um, yeah, it, it can be this idea of an internet novel and it very much is, uh, an internet novel in that much of what happens in, in, um, the latter part of the book occurs on the internet, but I think it is so interesting and important to think about everything, you know, I mean, to remember that everything that happens on the internet, uh, that the internet did not um, invent this type of discourse, I think, as, as you mentioned before, that the internet is just another way of doing what, what humans have been doing forever. You know, it's more efficient, perhaps. Um, but it's just another bathroom door, uh, you know, a, a stall. Right. A and another, oh, right. And the, and the sort of state co-optation is not particularly different from exactly. you know, the state bringing in newspaper writers or, 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 you know, poets, uh, you know, 500 years ago into its, um, you know, into its circle. But I did think of, of the care, I think Hassanea has some affection for Rahel. 
when he's gone until three in the morning after he's kidnapped his, by the Mohabarat. She's worried about him. Yes, his wife. So, you know, even though, you know, be stretched to say she loves him, she <laughs> definitely has developed some affection for him. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> I think that there, one can feel sympathy for this character. I think that he manages to thread this very fine line where he is, he is, pathetic and yet sympathetic like you you know for, for that exact reason and um and and the emotion of basically jealousy which is what the book opens with right it opens with him being overwhelmed with jealousy for this uh, popular poet at his university when he's a student is a is 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 a universal like human mm. emotion. So it's it's a it's a it's a powerful emotional entryway into that character's point of view. Um, he is then a very un, he's an unreliable narrator in the sense that you never can tell if this other poet is as bad as he thinks. You know he's he all and and everybody's always criticizing each other's writing in this book. Um, each other's expression, you know, saying, you know, that so-and-so isn't a good writer, so-and-so isn't a good poet, so-and-so is a sellout. Um, you never kind of can tell um, if anybody's any good at all. Um, and, uh, and, and it's all, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a book that's right up my alley for this reason. Like it's all about journalists, you know, writers, literati, like people who, who work in language, around language, um, I, 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 you know, it, it definitely spoke to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a great book for those of us who are interested in the, I don't know, the not just the the power, but also the the gossip that surrounds um, the literary world. And well, you know, because there are this number of layers of characters, and I do think that if if Rahal had been, say, like a pop novel, you know, genre, tear, you know, a Dan Brown sort of writer. I think he really could have found his audience and his his space. I, I think his his talent was sadly underutilized. Um, but there are all all kinds of you know. Uh, one of my it's it's interesting because because it is a satiric work with a, such a large cast of characters. None of them is really you know you're not like you know in depth in their in 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 their emotional life for for the most part. But um, Many of the characters, um, you know, the unlikable characters, I felt um, a strong sympathy for one of them, uh, <laughs> this terrible columnist, awful sellout, Naim Marzouk, um, who is sort of top of the world. One of Rahel's directives is to basically go in and support whatever Naim says. That's what goes. You know, Naim gets his directives from the state. And then... Um, Rahel and a sort of a, um, a legion of other people in the comments uh, also, you know, put their spin on it as well. Uh, but, you know, because he's, you know, he also, you know, none of these characters is is in a position that's safe. He also is manipulated into attacking the wrong person in his column, and he ends up in, in prison. And I just found the the dynamics of and then then suddenly there he is feeling grimy and and out of sorts and he doesn't have his latte and he doesn't have his shower and uh you know even though he's a terrible person he's made awful selfish decisions with his life i did um sympathize with him on a human level 
Right. But that what what's so interesting, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, but then up to a point, because then, you know, after all, all of that happens, what you, what you just described, and, and he is, he's duped into, um, into taking down the wrong person. And he, and he, he's ends up in prison for that. He becomes a hero and he's lionized for this brave stance that he's, and he, he becomes yet another, um, you know, I mean, I guess I sort of, I feel for him in some way, but at the same time, he sort of, he capitalizes on this hero worship that he receives for something that he had no, you know, he, he had no, he, he was not at all deserving of, I suppose. Right. An international um, uproar about his, the arrest of this terrible, slimy writer. Yeah, he becomes I, I mean, the symbol yeah. of freedom of press and, you know, <laughs> right. all of that. Uh, you know, right. totally out of his control. And so, and he ends up, you know, he, he ends up becoming the beneficiary of the yet more lies, you know? And so I, I do feel for him, but then he does, he ends up accepting it, this role yet again, this, this yeah, role the, that he might not the, deserve. Right, the, the resilience of some of these characters who are taken down, um, like the, um, the gentleman who uh, I can't remember—is he Emmett? Um, the who owns the internet cafe and who mm-hmm. is the uh, Rahel Emmett, who's Rahel's uh, employer. You know, Rahel manages to sort of very briefly kind of take him down um, through one of his, you know, his characters when he—he's one of the men who slide into him this this beautiful woman character that uh, Rahel has created on Facebook. Uh, and, and Rahel manages to, you know, sort of manipulate him into um, a relationship and, and spill the beans to his wife. Uh, but, but he bounced, but he bounces back. I mean, some of, some of the men in particular have a great deal of resilience in the face of, <laughs> of trolling as well. I mean, you know, it has this picaresque quality, this story, which I think is part of, I mean, there's a number of of, of books that I, I have been written in the style. I know Egyptian literature um, the best, but like even the men who swallowed the sun, which we discussed recently, Marsha, you know, yes, yeah. uh, this kind of like very episodic, sprawling, kind of funny. And like you said, ups and downs of many characters, um, not, not really focus more, I think on events and psychology. Um, I think going all the way back to a book like the women of Carantina, again, like very mm-hmm. atmospheric, gives you a place, gives you a time, gives you a kind of panorama of, of sort of phenomenon. But I think that the interest, I mean, the way I read it is like, it's not really about the individual characters. Like the characters are all sort of exemplifying sort of dynamics, right? I mean, that's not to say that they're not, you know, vivid when, when they get their time in the spotlight, but it's it's really about the, again, all these different forms of, of, of speaking, of lying, of using language in different ways, you know, from, from bathroom graffiti to university theses to newspaper columns to political speeches. He really kind of goes through to internet forums, of course, you know, all these different uses of language. And, and, the, and the characters are all sort of there to like show you kind of a different 
um, phenomenon, sociolinguistic phenomenons, right? Like Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. in which Mm -hmm. language is being used in Morocco today uh, or misused for the most part. And, and, and what strikes me is also how deeply cynical this book, I mean, how really, in a way, despite the light tone, how really black the picture it paints is, because it's, 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 it, you know, there is no, nobody has principles, nobody tells the truth, nobody ever takes a stance, everybody is endlessly you know, flexible and co-optable and, 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 you know, at starting with our main narrator, who is, you know, a complete coward, understandably so, but it's, you know, the people in power are, are, are constantly lying and manipulating the other people are just trying to get by. Um, and there's no examples of like a genuine journalist or a real artist or anybody well, whose language is like actually speaking, you know, who's, no, right. you don't know if the poet is a real poet. But he's we kind never, of we never like, see him do anything terrible or opportunistic. He does seem absurd, you know, there in Marseille drinking his wine. He seems ludicrous, you know, butterflies to the slaughterhouse. But but not not evil. No, I'm not saying evil, but I'm saying there's nobody respectable in the entire sort like there is nowhere to put i mean oh, this is my question like is there hope for some for where where is any sort of respect or meaning there doesn't have to be i mean besides the act of writing the novel itself which is obviously an act of belief in what mm, literature can mm, do and writing mm. can do but in the novel itself there's like no escape yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, right. I mean, the, the question, is there hope? I mean, I think within, within this novel, it feels not very hopeful at all. I mean, as you say, journalism is nothing but lies. Democracy is a joke. It's a game that there, you know, there are winners that we, we already know who's going to win. I mean, both the elections, but the, the game itself. I mean, the, the losers of elections are winners anyway, because they share in the power. Um, the student movements mean nothing. The, the political rhetoric at university means nothing. There are no friendships. There's, there's no, there are only rivalries. There's only antagonistic relationships. Um, um, you know, people, there's only people attacking one another. And so no, there's, there is little hope in this, in this novel. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know what more to say about that. I mean, I can come back to that. I mean, but what, what you were saying, describing, going back to what you're saying, describing this as sort of a picaresque, uh, style narrative. I mean, it really, it is true. I mean, I mean, the, the cast of characters, I think I started at, at one point to, to list the characters, maybe even to include it, a, a list at the beginning, um, for readers to help out, but it, it started to feel, um, uh, you know, futile. I mean, there are just, there are so many characters and, and with so many different, uh, you know, sort of stories. Uh, Yasin Adnan, the author, he does a very good job of, of, you know, as, um, I mean, Ursula, as you said, um, when a character shows up, when they're given the, given the spotlight, he does a very good job of, of presenting them as people, with backgrounds and motivations and, and reasons for, for doing, saying, feeling, um, what they're, what they are doing, saying, or feeling. Um, 
but it's all, it's dizzying what's going on. And I, I don't mean this, this is not a criticism at all. In fact, this is, I think, how the novel is supposed to be taken. This, it, it, it's a novel, and I know, I know that the author is very much, very proud of Marrakesh. She's a lover of Marrakesh. And it's very much a, a novel of the city of Marrakesh. And I mean, speaking to you from New York City, I can also say, um, you know, it, it, the, the chaos that's out there, and it, it, I, you know, it's almost irrelevant that I'm, I'm in a big city. The chaos inside our heads is so great and online is so great. Um, which I think he captures, um, very nicely. Um, that doesn't speak to the hope question. I'm sorry. But if there, yeah, but actually, if there's one character that comes off well in the novel, it's the city of Marrakesh. That one, one character that he clearly has affection for, (laughs) it's the city. Mm. But I think he, I mean, very true. But I, I think again, to, you know, I mean, we don't have to weigh in on each of the characters, whether we like or, you know, whether it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a like or a dislike. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I truly, I think that he has, um, that, that Yassin, the author or the novel has, uh, you know, sympathy for most of the characters, not, maybe not all of them, but most of them, you know, they mm-hmm. all, they all are who they are for reasons that, that were given, I mean, that he, that he, you know, that he's sure to sort of present to us, you know, whether it's, I mean, Rahal is the easiest one to talk about. I mean, he, he is unlikable. Um, but, and I hope that I, (laughs) that no one would ever see me as a Rahal like character, but, but who hasn't, who hasn't, been jealous. I mean, Ursula, you mentioned jealousy, but all of the emotions and all of the insecurities that he feels are so, um, are, are so relatable. And I think that goes for, for, you know, I will say most of the characters, there are some that, that I would, I would, uh, love to never, ever hear from again. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I I think there is a real affection for the city, but I also I think there is a real sympathy for the for for all of these characters that he's created. Yeah, I guess the ones that occur to me as blank are the Mukhabarat characters. Mm-hmm. I don't remember feeling even when he was mm-hmm. back at university with them that they had a backstory. Um, right. But I do think I like the fact that he chose to have a character who is involved in that world explicitly. I mean, I think that's such an important actually aspect of life that I'm, that's an interesting story to tell someone who's been recruited. Um, it's a, it's interesting to have someone who's a troll. It's interesting to have someone who's not, um, you know, behaving particularly well. I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I think I read somewhere that the the genesis partly for this story was the author's own experience online of some of the interactions he he had with people. So then he sort of put try, started to imagine who I, I, who who some of these people might be. Is that is that at all true? Is that just a rumor? No, no, no. That 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 is uh, that is true. Um, I mean, as I understand it. Um, Yassine was, um, I don't know if it was, it was about particular things he was writing, but, but at a certain period of time, he became the target of one or more trolls. And 
I think quite rightly, he was, um, you know, I mean, he was hurt, he was injured, he was, all, you know, shocked and pretty, you know, I, I think I can say dumbfounded, um, you know, that people could be so cruel and so heartless and so cold um, and so um, uh, tireless in in their targeting of, in, I mean, in his case, of, of him and his work. Um, but, and so I, I think this, uh, this novel, I believe started as a, as a short story, as an examination of, uh, of the troll as a personality mm. and who, you know, who, you know, who would do this? Why? And, and why would they do it? And I, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I yeah, the short story became a long novel. <laughs> I'm sure there's more to say on, uh, you know, who, you know, what motivates people you know, with such hatred and such tenacity. Mm, right. But but I don't know, you know, is it hatred? I'd see, you know, with Rahel, you know, this sort mm. of genesis is trolling this this poet, but uh, he also loves him in, in a way. Mm. He can't live without him at one point, I think he says. He right, exactly, him. exactly. <laughs> one of the interesting things I found it I thought Rahel really succeeded in writing female characters he has him's Facebook page that he updates and people really seem to believe find her a believable character and I also thought thought felt that Yasin did a lovely job of depicting um the women characters none of you know a, a, as we said none of whom are sort of in in depth you know we're not like you know getting the sort of psychological portrait of any of them, but in particular, his wife, Hasenea, from the moment they started to work together on their graduation project, I felt oh, she's going to railroad him into marrying her. And then uh, the sort of the wonderful scene of the first night of their marriage, which I found really so hilarious, uh, not, I guess, relatable is the wrong word, but so, I just believed so deeply that this that this happened wait this is this is the scene where um i think i should just read a tiny bit from oh, it please, so people get a sense do. right because this is sh shall i yes yes please he has read he has he has a few references for 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 what this first night should be like and he's mentally thinking about some of these books he's read um and so it says, he tried to be charming. It was his chance to set the mood and try out the methods of sexual diplomacy that the book's author had devoted an entire chapter to. Why should I turn out the light, Hassania? I want to inspect my land, to lay eyes on where I'll sow and plant my seed, to wander around my garden, to see the pomegranate ripen and the apple redden, to survey the patch of mint before I water it. What mint? <laughs> What shit are you talking about? Rahel, I told you to turn out the light. <laughs> and, and, and she, I can't remember the exact wording, but something of don't touch me like that. I don't want any of this porn nonsense. Just right. get in there, finish your business and move on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I actually read it as, I think I read it as quite sad, their relationship, because it is again, one in which there is no sexual fulfillment. There is no like sexual self-expression. It is in fact a very like, you know, meager 
physical connection in which her interpretation of what it should be like means that she doesn't seem to, you know, she seems to find it inappropriate to, uh, to, to, to really let herself go in any way, or even to feel pleasure in it and which then denies him pleasure. And so these encounters are again, part of his kind of, you know, the, the patheticness of his life and, and his wife who, who is a vivid character and, 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 and sort of tough and, and a bit funny, but she's also a comic character in her, you know, she's her, she's the hedgehog. She's a little shrill. She's a bit of a nag. She's a bit of a bully. It's again, part of his he- He's a henpecked husband. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I mean, there's humor, but there's sadness for me too, a lot actually in, 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 in that marriage, in that depiction oh, of relationships. Yeah, absolutely. No. And I mean, I mean, that scene in particular sort of is the beginning or the, the beginning of their marriage and their first night and it, it the loneliness, I, I, there's, yeah. there was so much that I felt for Rahal in those moments that, I mean, all he had was this, this cheap sex manual. Um, that he was relying on, or these these snippets that he had read here and there, for how to please a woman or how to to do to 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 do um, sex, um, and it, there was something about that, that that really, I mean, really for me was so lonely, you know, that he has nobody, you know, he, I mean, there, no one to talk to about anything, nowhere, you know, no one to talk to about being nervous, being anxious, being being not knowing something, seeking advice. Um, and it was just, I think, yeah, so well depicted in that scene that this is, this is the beginning of, of a very lonely marriage, I think for, for both of them. Mm, Although I think maybe you could say that of, I don't, you don't think that there's no depiction of a, of a loving marriage. Certainly. I I think Mm. most of the marriages in the novel tend towards this sort of henpecked, clearly Rahal's Parents uh, or in yeah. this model, Imed um, and him are in that in that range as well. I thought it was interesting. There is this moment where you know the scene in the mosque where the imam is uh, giving his sermon, and he sort of um, until this point, uh, you know, in all these relationships, the woman is sort of kind of oddly in charge in this kind of picaresque, satiric, comic way, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, a domestic abuse situation would just just not be funny. Um, he, he, you know, he comes right up to the edge to saying uh, um, women should be beaten. It's um, you know, it's it's um, it's halal to beat beat your wife. Mm-hmm. This is and there's the a sermon. protest, yeah. right? In the yeah. in the and yes, in the sermon, and then there's a there's a protest afterwards, and it comes right up to the to the edge of this. These, the protesting women are going to be beaten, and then they're actually sort of, you know, sort of um, the hand of God comes in and sweeps them off the page. But which is entirely that. realistic. They would get beat. Like sure, I've been sure, in, sure, I've sure. been in street protests by feminists protesting domestic violence that have been assaulted by men on the street. Like that is that is a real situation. Sure, and, sure. But he, and I but think the novel sort of pulls them off the page before that happens right and says thank goodness the novel has also a very and again it kind of comes out of nowhere and then disappears in uh, you know off the page but it has a two-page description of a woman being harassed in the street that is Mm. uh very accurate very painful to read 
because because the thing is she is sexually molested by someone and then it describes the way nobody stands up for right. her, the yes, way yes, everybody yeah. just watches mm. and nobody says a word and she gets like groped and slapped in the face and everybody just stands around so, and nobody takes her side. Um, and it's awful and it kind of, you know, comes and goes, uh, but um, it certainly Although Rahel, Rahel, Rahel later takes revenge sort of for her on Yazid. He doesn't he recall like this is in part for you, med student whose name I can't remember, who got sexually harassed. I mean, harassed his Yazid. motivations are a little. I don't know what his well, motivations. Sure. It seems like he would always do. But I mean, the, what's interesting is in this huge sack of things that the book talks about. Obviously, we've now gotten into you know gender relations and and sex, and then that also links up with the cyber cafe because there are customers of the cyber cafe who are using these online spaces uh basically to to set up assignations to sell sexual companionship or to look for kind of romantic uh relationships so so that then is also a, a dimension of the of the book is is sort of looking into i mean the relationships between men and women, which strike me as just as bad as the ones between men and men or just as, <laughs> as dire, you know? Right. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think in, you know, as I was reading the novel and translating the novel and as other people have read it and we've talked about it, I think the, the, um, you know, the, the discomfort, the discomfort that I felt, you know, regarding these gender relate surrounding these gender relations, pretty palpable. I mean, pretty awful the way men are treating women, um, uh, in the novel. Um, but I think, you know, what sort of, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, I think what saves it in many ways is that nothing is spared. You know, no relationships are secure. No relationships are trusting. No relationships are, are, um, uh, are I guess, genuine um, uh, or comfort, comf comforting or comfortable. Um, and so it's, it really, it, it, yeah, I mean, the, the relations between men and women um, are no, they're different, but they're no worse. <laughs> and and I, I would argue they're no worse than the, the, the horrible relationships, you know, between anyone, uh, between any two people or between any uh, group, uh, in the novel. Right. And it makes sense from a, if you're telling the story from a character like Rahel's point of view, like I said, it makes sense that the, there are more male characters. That the point of view is a, a, a sort of more male than female world because his, his access to women and to women's point of view and to any empathy and understanding for women is probably limited. Um, you know, so, so, so there are a number of female characters. They are generally often introduced when they first appear with a, with a sexualized physical description. And I think that's how he and the guys at the cafe perceive them. And that's what you're sort of, you know, that that reflects that reality. Mm. One one other thing I wanted to ask you about is I found this book interesting. I mean, for countless reasons, but one of the things I found interesting in it is that it does 
um, address Marrakesh and all the larger cities in Morocco's significant uh, West African pop- and migrant population. Uh, there are three of the characters who are regulars in the internet cafe. I think they're all from Nigeria, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so it it takes this as an opportunity of sort of the many things that he sort of observes and dissects about contemporary Marrakesh is, is the, is the, you know, the character's racism and, um, and sort of the, the phenomenon of racism in, in the city. And I think, you know, there are many moments that are uncomfortable uh, in the descriptions that we see through Rahel's point of view and the, you know, and um, the way in which these characters are treated. And I wondered how, you know, I wondered about the translation process of, of those sections and, and how you were thinking about reception uh, from a U.S. or, or U.K. Or, or other Anglophone audiences? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a, a great question. I mean, that, I, it's interesting because that, the, I think um, we, uh, you and I, Marsha, had talked some years ago, um, uh, I think when we first met and, and I had said something about the hardest thing, we were talking about um, uh, my translation of Yusuf Fadl's A, a Beautiful White Cat, um, which is in many ways, a, a, I mean, in, in many, many ways, a very funny novel, funny and, and, and tragic at the same time. Um, but it is a, a comedic novel and it revolves around comedy and, um, and humor. And I think what I said at the time is the hardest thing to translate uh, that I find the hardest thing to translate is humor. Um, it's just, it can be so specific uh, to a culture or to a context. Um, I've come up with, I'm starting to, to, uh, expand my list of hardest <laughs> things to translate. And, and this ha- came up in, in a subsequent translation of Yusuf's, uh, work, um, a shimmering red fish. And also in this book, which are, are gender relations, sex and gender relations and race, um, in Morocco. Um, and so I, there are these, these sections that really, I mean, I felt, I mean, translating is never easy and it's never, um, it, it, it's always slow, but I felt like I was particularly, um, aware of the trickiness of these, of these sections. Um, so in terms of these three characters, um, Amelia Flora and Yakabu, three Nigerians who are, um, you know, I guess passing through Morocco on their way to Europe, but they, they, of course, like so many, um, uh, migrants from, from sub-Saharan Africa, uh, could not get out of, could get into Morocco, but could not get out of Morocco. Um, and so they've been there. We don't know. I don't think we know exactly how long they've been, they've been there, but, but we do know in, 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 um, uh, uh, we know that they've been there for some time and they could be there like so many others for five, 10, 15 years or more, um, basically becoming per- permanent residents of Morocco. And I've seen, you know, I've seen very few depictions of this, um, uh, you know, this phenomenon in Morocco, in Moroccan literature. And I, I, it's very, um, yeah, I mean, these are characters who are fleshed out, um, as much as any of the other characters, I think. Um, and they are the targets of some, you know, 
some sort of vicious, cruel racism, um, mostly on the part uh, of, of one character, Yazid, who is just, he, he's one of the characters I was alluding to before who I, I would, one of, one of the few characters I would just as well never want to hear from again. Um, <laughs> just an awful, awful character. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, a misogynist, a racist, violent, cruel. Um, and they are the, the, these Nigerian, um, cyber cafe customers are sort of the targets of his overt um, racism. And to be honest, I mean, you know, I really, I wanted to get that tone right. I think tone, <laughs> I mean, it, in general, tone is, is, is so important in translation, but it, especially dealing with sort of sticky topics, you want to make sure that the tone is carried over into the, into the uh, translated language. And I, you know, I hope that, that what you know i so i didn't i don't think i changed anything um i don't think i softened anything or or took anything out um for us or uk audiences i i hope that the cruelty of of the racism is clear enough to to um uh yeah i mean to to offend and, and to shock, but not to, to uh, you know, repel a reader, I guess. Right. I mean, it's, it's always a question of, you know, is this the racism of the character? Are we uh, meant to see this as kind of a critique of, of a character of, of a social, of a society, of, of power relationships, or is this the racism of, of the narrative, you know, uh, um, which I think you do, you do get in a lot of literature, uh, unconscious or um, semi-conscious, say, you know, racist narratives. But this, I think he's very much foregrounding a, a critique of, of racism. And Yazid is one of those characters, I think, where we don't have, we don't have backstory on him. We don't, mm -hmm. nobody's trying to make us care about, Rahel, yes, he's a terrible character, sure, but we, we do know his whole life story. And you have to sympathize with him a bit, but Yazid, I don't think we know anything about him. And it's interesting. I think I think that's true. And I think actually Yazid is kind of the most racist character. The most. I mean, he's also the one who who sexually harasses. I think a couple of. Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of um, characters. Um, I not even harasses. I mean, I you know sort of lays hands right. on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, you know, is, is violent with with one of them, although he gets his in the end. Um, and he, yeah, I mean, he's almost, a, you know, he is in some ways, you know, and, and I, I don't know, um, you know, this would be a question for the author, you know, whether it's a, a deliberate that he, he's sort of, he's, he's, he's such a, sh he's like a sharp tool that that's being used to underline these things. Um, you know, he, He's so focused and so cruel, um, and and without any, we have no sense of why, and maybe we're not supposed to even wonder why. It's inexcusable, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I think, and the similarity between the scenes in which he behaves like this towards towards women, towards the African users of the cyber cafe is that no one else participates in this behavior, but everybody stands around and lets him and doesn't stop mm -hmm. him from doing it. 
And that is important. Yeah. There's that level. He's a villain. Nobody likes him. Rahel hates his guts. He's a bully. But the dynamic in these scenes is that he does these awful things and and there's no countervailing force. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to ask you to read an, another portion of the book be, that I think gets into a little bit the the view of the book on sort of what the problem is in society and online about like group dynamics and um, and and people basically you know, not being themselves or not standing up for themselves or not expressing themselves. And, and this is the, the passage about, um, about traffic in Marrakesh and in Morocco about Mm. driving. Right. (laughs) Yes. And if, if anyone has, uh, yes, been in traffic in Marrakesh or or Morocco or been in a shared taxi, this will resonate particularly well. And and nobody Um, take it personal. We all generalize about driving in every country we go. And, you know, everybody has this, you know, have this, this is, this is, and people will recognize also some of this. Um, there are, there are, there are specificities, but of course, you know, um, of course it's, it's a, it's a funny generalization, uh, but grounded in something real. Vivid, if nothing else. Um, this is how Moroccans are. And I should, I'll step out of the narrative. I mean, that the, the narrator, him or herself is telling us, this is how Moroccans are generalizing. This is how Moroccans are. You know them well, Rahal. You just have to set the tone for them to follow you. As if, they, as if they were a blind orchestra. It took you back to your nightly commutes from the cyber cafe to Moassim in the crowded Jemalefna shared taxi. The conversations were always along the same lines. It was enough for a passenger to utter a sentence, just like that, randomly, for the rest to dive in after him. If he said that, quote, things have gone from bad to worse, the rest of the passengers would artfully provide evidence of how everything everywhere had crashed. If he said, quote, our country is beautiful and may God glorify Morocco, the passengers would fall over one another to enumerate the country's praiseworthy attributes. Taxi chatter is endless. Six passengers crowded in, two in the front seat next to the driver and four in the back. Still, they find enough comfort to chit-chat and gossip. As soon as the taxi stops at a red light, finding itself out in front, the driver moves forward to gain a meter or two. That's how he gets in front of the stoplight. All the drivers who are out in front move forward. And since, unfortunately, the Lord hadn't given Moroccans eyes on their backs, it was up to the cars behind them to honk and alert them to the fact that the light had turned green. Sometimes, some of the ones who haven't been raised well lean too heavily on the horn. Beep, beep, beep. Rage strikes the driver and he begins to protest. What's with these animals? They want to fly? And the chorus joins in. My friend, people have no patience anymore. God protect us. People have gone crazy. God lead us to safe harbor. You're only going to go where God takes you. All of them whistling the same tune, repeating the same words. Everyone shows solidarity with the driver. All the passengers reassure him. All of them, what a surprise, are forbearing, patient, submissive, not in a rush. And I'll stop there. It's, it's a great, it's a great scene. I mean, again, it's a dark view of society. Um, and I don't think it applies at all only to, to Moroccan society, but, um, it's, it's, it's a well-rendered depiction of how 
of sort of the fundamental problem that the book poses in a way is right is, right is collective the, the comments behavior. right right the comments sections being much the same as conversations in a in a shared taxi being the same as it, it echoed everywhere that this is not something it, you can't blame the internet for it but as you said earlier ursula that it's funny because the book itself sort of <laughs> um inhabits it you know the question differently it 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 does manage to step outside these frames that were created. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's, that's what books do. I mean, they, you know, you can have a, they affirm something else in their very existence that can be at odds with the content of their story. Right. I mean, Mm. they always affirm the value of, of telling the story in the first place. And the possibility of being original. Right. Right. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed talking about this book, um, with you both almost as much as I enjoyed reading it. Um, and yeah, uh, it's true. It's one of those books that I've been, I continuously reciting little passages about, you know, tell, telling people about, oh, there's this part, et cetera, et cetera. It's one, it's a book that's fun to talk about. Yeah. And again, you know, like, uh, picaresque or, uh, something of that sort. I mean, it, it, there are the, you know, it's a it's a book of. Um, I mean, obviously, there's an overarching narrative, but it's a it's a book of scenes, right? And it's a book of interactions, you know, that are so fun to sort of, uh, or fun or interesting to, um, yeah, to sort of to to read, reread, um, and discuss. Mm. Well, thank you so much uh, for for making the time to to be with us today, um, Alex, and to talk about the book with us. Um, it, like I said, it was super interesting, and it made me think about it in some ways that I hadn't. So oh, it's yeah, it's my pleasure, and yeah, I mean, I you know, I I'm always happy to 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 talk about it with whoever. There are a few people who who have who have read it as much as I have, and so it's uh, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk with with people who have who have read it so closely and have um, you know so many wonderful insights um so thank you for having me thank you um and i think we're going to wrap it up uh there for this time we'll be back in a couple weeks and thanks to everyone else for listening yes thanks everyone thank bye bye bye